So Genesis, Genesis 1. Um, in Colossians 2, uh, Paul says that we are complete um, in Christ. So what does it mean to be complete? If, if something is complete, what does that mean? Any ideas? Finished, yeah. So it means there's nothing left out. There's nothing left undone. That means everything is accomplished. Um, so that's kind of the, the gist of what I'm going to talk about. Um, so Genesis 1, verses 26 and 28 through 28. So it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, um, in, in the concept of being complete in Christ, um, there's this concept of, of being in Adam and being in Christ. Um, in Adam, we have a lot uh, of things that are not good. In Christ, we have a lot of different things that are very good. So that's kind of what I'm wanting to talk about. Um, and if you look at this, you can kind of get a, pick up a little bit on what Adam had before the fall. Um, before the fall, Adam had blessing, fruitfulness, dominion. Um, he had authority. Um, you, can, you can look at Genesis and see that he had a, a relationship with God that was unhindered. It was unblocked. He had full access to the tree of life, which represented the life of God. Um, there's nothing stopping him from that. There's nothing in him, no sin, um, that was, that was uh, blocking that access. Um, Genesis 3, 1 through 10, skip over there real quick. Um, so this is where uh, God had told Adam and Eve, you know the story, he told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, so now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Um, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with, with her, and he ate. Um, then this is a key part I want to talk about. It says, then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So Adam and Eve were told, given a direct command from God, um, he gave them free will, free choice um, to continue in that dependence on him and that relationship with him, or to, to uh, disobey and, and, and move in a direction independent from him. And they chose the last one. Um, 
And the fruit of that disobedience, you see where before Adam had blessing, fruitfulness, um, life. Uh, he didn't even know what the concept of shame was. He just had complete confidence before God. There is nothing in his mind or heart that would make him even think twice about being afraid of God or feeling like he couldn't just go to him constantly as, a, as his father, as, his, uh, as the one that he is completely dependent on. But right after they sin, look what happens. It says that um, Adam and Eve, they, th- their eyes were opened and they suddenly realized that they were naked. Um, nakedness, I think, in the Bible is such a picture of, of our spiritual uh, bankruptcy pretty much before God. Adam and Eve suddenly realized how awesome and holy God was, how perfect he was, and, and suddenly they were not sourcing from his life, and they were, they were uh, cut off from that, and they recognized how naked they were, how empty of anything good on their own part. They had nothing to come to God with. Um, they were naked before him, and so it says that they, they tried to cover themselves. Um, and then going on, uh, in verse 8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So again, where before they had that perfect relationship with God, now they're hiding. They're hiding from God. Um, And it said, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So, So if you think about what Adam had before, and what Adam has now, um, now he has fear, fear of God, uh, shame. Um, he's trying to hide from God. Before, he just had that, that relationship where he was just, he had no reason to not just want to constantly go to God and uh, completely depend on him. And now they're hiding, they're afraid, and they're trying to get away from him. Um, and I'm sure we can all relate to that. Um, we are all of the same race of Adam. We've inherited everything he's done, and I think we, um, we live a lot in this, in, in, in Adam, in that mindset that, that we are naked, we feel naked before God. We feel, we, we might go through a day and feel like we haven't done too good. We haven't, we haven't really done as good with the Lord that day as we, as we could have, and we feel, we feel at the end of the day a little bit naked before him and a little bit fearful. We don't feel that confidence to go before him. We don't feel... Um, that, that, that boldness to just go to him and, and feel like we're, we're okay, we're covered, but we, we feel like we still have Adam's nakedness and his shame and his guilt on us. Um, so before the fall, Adam had blessing, he had authority, he had uh, what I call spiritual completeness. Um, in Colossians 2, where it says we're complete in Christ, I think Adam had that same completeness before the fall. Um, he had power, and he had full and unhindered uh, relationship with God. Um, so then after the fall, all that was lost. Um, and now he had condemnation. And, and if you go on to verses 21 to 24 um, in Genesis 3, it said, uh, And the Lord God, so after the fall, Adam and Eve, recognized their nakedness, and then they tried to cover themselves. Um, And it said, And the Lord God 
made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. So right here, clear back in Genesis, we see, um, we see God prophesying to one day cover Adam and Eve's nakedness um, and to do it apart from anything that they would do. They tried to cover it themselves, and here God is saying pretty much in essence, no, I'm going to do it myself by grace. Um, I'm going to do it for you. I will cover you. And obviously that was uh, fulfilled in Christ. Um, and then 22, it says, And then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. And now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which, which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So again, you see that, that relationship with God, that access to God's life is cut off because of sin. Um, and so again, I think we live in that a lot. We live in feeling like we are, we're cut off because of our sin, because of who we are. We feel like we're cut off from that because we recognize that we are, we are of the Adam race. We see that what Adam had, we can look at ourselves and say, man, I have all that too. I have sin, and so I feel that same shame and that nakedness. I look at myself, and, and I'm naked before God. I have, what, what, what right do I think I have to go to him or to have a relationship with him? And especially after those days when, when we feel like we haven't been, been very good Christians. Um, and so I think Jesus would want us to know that that is not the case for those who are in Christ. And even in the midst of having horrible days where we are not, we're not doing what we think is that great, where we're, where we're maybe struggling with sin, we're struggling with uh, different sinful attitudes or, or things that we're just, um, we just can't seem to overcome. We're trying and we're, we're fighting and we're wanting to serve the Lord. We're wanting to be free, but maybe we're struggling. And even in those times, we can still think that, man, we're, we we own that shame and, and condemnation is on us and guilt is on us and we still, even though we're struggling to fight sin, um, we're not just giving into it, we still feel like we have to, we have to be, um, that we're, we're like Adam and, and we have to feel fear with the Lord. And again, I think Jesus would want us to know that that's not the case. Um, and I want to show you why I think that is. Um, go to Romans Five, real quick. We're gonna look at uh, verses twelve to fourteen. Um, so I think it's true when when we when we recognize our sin and our nakedness, it's absolutely right for us to feel that, to feel fear, to feel shame, to feel to feel that that access to relationship with God blocked. We shouldn't if we can look at our sin and still feel like we're okay to go before a perfectly holy and righteous God. Um, we're probably not all there up, upstairs. So um, it's absolutely right and normal to feel that. Um, and I think it's absolutely um, truthful that we are in that state. Um, so Romans, Romans 5, 12. Um, so Paul says, therefore, just a sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. 
but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So if you look in verse 12, it says that uh, death um, through one man, uh, death was in the world. It spread to all men. So when we feel that shame, that fear that Adam feels, it's accurate because this says that we are, we're in Adam. Um, so that everything that Adam did, every, everywhere he went, everything he did, our destiny is bound up with him. Um, so when we say we're in Adam or in Christ, uh, a good example, I like to think of what that means is, um, say I'm going to, I have a piece of paper. So I have this piece of paper um, and then I have this book. If I put this piece of paper in this book and close it and package this book and send it to China, where this book goes, that paper goes inside the book, right? So if I, if I take this book and I plunge it into water, um, that piece of paper in the book was plunged in the water too. I wasn't necessarily plunging the water, it's, or the paper itself into the water, I was plunging the book into the water. But because the paper was in the book, it went where the book went. So that's kind of a, a simple concept, a simple way of understanding what it means that when, when Adam fell, when he sinned, we were in him, and we fell too. So where he went and what he did, we did that too in him. So that all the consequences that were put on Adam have been put on the whole human race. Um, so that's what, that's what Paul is trying to get across in, in Romans 5. Um, but the good news is that he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop and say, you guys are in Adam, and all of his consequences are now your consequences. Um, good luck. He doesn't say that. He says, he goes on and he says, if you look at the end of 14 where we just read, um, he says that Adam was a type of the one who was to come. So we see God in Genesis where he, he covered Adam and Eve's nakedness and he was, he was giving a, a picture, a, a, a promise of the one who was to come, um, the, the second Adam. Um, so if you keep going in uh, Romans 5, 15, it says, The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification." For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass, as one sin, Adam's sin, led to condemnation for all men, uh, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Um, so we see that the same, that same concept that was true of us, of, of how we are in Adam, the really awesome good news is that that applies to Christ. So um, you can think of what 
what was the last thing that, that Jesus said on the cross? Maybe the last thing. I don't think it specifically says it was the last thing, but what I think was the last thing he said, and then he says he gave up the spirit and died. Um, does anybody remember? It is finished. Right. So um, Jesus said it is finished. What did he mean by that? What was finished? His work was finished. Yep. So somewhere else in John, the same book, he's, he, he's praying to the Father, and he says, I finished the work you've given me to do. Um, so what I think, I, I wrote this down. This is what I think um, just about, about Jesus and what he, when he said it is finished. Um, I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, what Jesus said on the cross when he uttered the words, it is finished, is perhaps one of the most dramatically significant statements he ever made that relates to our salvation. In this statement, he is in essence saying that he has overcome for all the human race every obstacle that was keeping us in a spiritually bankrupt condition. In Adam, we were in a spiritually dead state, totally blocked off from life with God. We were in bondage to sin, death, and cursing, Fear, judgment, and hopelessness was ours because of Adam's fall. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was making a statement of awesome victory in which he was expressing the fact that he had once for all defeated all of our enemies and had left not even one tiny thing undone that needed to be done for our complete salvation. Um, So that has probably been one of the most powerful sanctifying, uh, encouraging, life-changing things I've found in this Bible is that statement Jesus made that it is finished. Because, again, I I can live in such a state of of looking inside myself and seeing just nothing, just bankruptcy, nakedness, and and just I want to do good, but the good I do, I cannot do, and the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And that I just, I can't stop, I can't stop doing that. And I just realize that that I have no hope except for what Jesus said when he said it is finished. So in essence, he was saying all that you cannot do and will never be able to do, um, all that you are not and will never be able to be, I have become for you and I have done for you. And and that's it. That's all you need. Look to me. It's yours. I've given it to you. And uh, that's really good news to me. (laughs) Um, So... um, in the, in the same way that we are in Adam, the, the whole idea of the paper in the book where, the, where Adam went, we went. In that same way where Christ has gone, we have gone. So Paul will say, he'll teach this, and it's kind of confusing unless you really understand what he's talking about over and over in the New Testament, that when Christ died, we died with him. And when Christ was raised to life, we were raised to life with him. Um, so everywhere he has gone, we have gone uh, with Christ when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying, I have accomplished everything needed for man's salvation. We can now say for ourselves, it is finished, and everything needed for me to, to have that, to have Adam's pre-fall state of um, unhindered access to God, where he can just go to him and have that relationship with him that's not blocked off, that's not cut off. We have that now. Um, and it's, it's not because of anything we're ever going to look inside ourselves and see, okay, I, I can go to God today because, because I have this today. I have this attitude. This attitude's in check. Or, or I read my Bible today. Or, 
or I, I love God today even. But we can have this whether we're looking inside ourselves and seeing just depravity and, and evil desires and, and all kinds of uh, sin that, that, that we're struggling against. Even in those days when we wake up just feeling miserable, we feel like we don't even want to pray, we can say, I can come to God right now and he looks at me and he sees his son in whom he is well pleased. And uh, that, that, I think, is, is the ultimate goal of what Paul over and over is trying to get the churches to, to grow mature and to, to know that, that their whole relationship with the Lord is constantly dependent on who Christ is and not who they aren't. Um, and that's what, I think that's what it means to become mature in Christ, is to get our minds so changed, our thinking so changed, that we're constantly in that state. I think we're always drifting in and out of that, where we're... Th- we're we're, we're knowing, okay, it's about Jesus, yes, but, but I need to do a little bit. You know, I need to try a little bit here, and, and I, need, I need something of myself. And, and, and then we get back to that place where it's no, it's Jesus, it's who he is, it's not who I am. Um, and that's where freedom is. Um, uh, real quick, uh, Hebrews 9, 12, you can go there if you want or, or you don't have to. Um, Hebrews 9:12 uh, or 11:12 it says but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come even through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that is not of this creation he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption and then if you look in Hebrews 1 Three, uh, talking about Jesus, it says he's the radiance of the glory of God and he's the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So when Jesus sat down, I think he was in essence, again, making that same statement, it is finished. He was sitting down to rest he was sitting down saying, it's accomplished. I don't need to be standing anymore because there's nothing more to do for man's salvation. Um, so he sat down. And again, the really good news is you look at Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 2, and Paul says that we have been seated with Christ. That means when Christ sat down and rested, we are now seated with him, and we're in a place where we can rest and not strive anymore to to be something before God. We, we don't have to strive or try or work to get out of that Adam condition of shame and fear and guilt. Um, in the mornings when I wake up and I just feel blah, I feel I don't, I don't have any spiritual thing in, inside of me right now. I don't have to work and strive and effort from my own, from my own strength to try to get out of that. I can just simply say I've, I've been seated as a past historical event Everything that needs to happen for me to go right to God and have direct access and unhindered relationship with him today, it's a past event that's already been accomplished. Um, so, so I guess just my encouragement is that we would be um, praying, that we'd be asking and seeking and knocking at the Lord's door to ask him to reveal this to us and to make this real. Um, 
Paul says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That means we got to get our thinking, uh, the way we think, changed so that uh, we don't just know this stuff in our heads, but we begin to actually believe it and, and, and live in our, in our minds thinking according to this truth. Um, so, so my encouragement is that you would uh, be walking not in that, that pre, pre-fall Adam state, that when you, you catch yourself, when you're, when you're thinking and, and, and thinking of yourself as being in that state of shame and guilt and powerlessness, um, that you would stop and say, that is a lie, that is not true, that was true, but now I'm in Christ and I have all that he has. Uh, so, uh, let me pray real quick. Father, I just pray uh, that you would uh, make your, your truth real in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of revelation, that you would uh, help us to know, uh, God, the inheritance that you have given us in Christ. And God, I pray that this truth would, would work itself out in us in a way that we'd just be filled with a knowledge of your love for us and that we'd be filled with love for you and love for for every person that's around us. Um, I pray in Jesus' name.